Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors here was 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf and online at sunburymotors.com. Ford, Lincoln, Kia, Hyundai, great inventory. Fabulous pre owned inventory as well. Terrific service department. All at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Key Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf and online at sunburymotors.com. It's a slice of information before the play-by-play call today that's pretty important. It's just passed along to me that we had a streaming spike in the last 10 minutes of the last half hour. I don't know why that's important. Hey, either way, that's brownie points for me. And us, I should say. Oh, wait a minute. Twitter just banned it as inaccurate. All right. Uh, we'll ca- <laughs> Time now for our play-by-play call of the day. Max Muncy goes deep. Dayton on three and two. The bases are loaded. There goes the carousel. And there's a fly ball to center field. That's well hit. And it's a grand slam home run. Max Muncy. It is 11 to nothing, and we're not finished with the first. Normally when you're up 11 nothing in the first, I, you know, I don't know about you, I normally feel good about that team in that spot. All right, so, <laughs> and the Dodgers won it in game fours tonight. <laughs> oh, come on, it was a good joke. Was, well, I thought it was well set up. That was well set up. Come on. Twitter people need a sense of humor. All right. <laughs> really? <laughs> that was. Well, no. I mean, if, if you're stuck with that humanities degree, that's your best shot working for them. All right. So <laughs> let's go to Mark Wogenrich, uh, SI.com. Uh, Mark, great to have you with us. Welcome back. Doing very well, Steve. Appreciate it. Thanks. How are you? Yeah, I'm doing well. Thanks. Uh, great to hear you. Um, learn anything from the uh, get-together with James last night and with Tim Banks? They're really high. I mean, both you know, both James and Tim Banks, um, really high in the safeties. That is an um, – and I think for Penn State, that's something that they really need to hear. Um, with Lamont Wade, Jaquan Brisker, some of the depth they have behind it. That was one of the things I remember we had the um, – a Zoom call with Brent Pry, uh, probably back in April or May or something like that, and he was talking about their off-season study of the big play defense of last year and how that lapsed a little bit. You saw it against Minnesota. You saw it against some other teams. I think it was something like 24, if I'm remembering correctly, something like 24 pass plays, 30 yards or longer. It was more, I think it was more than double what they had had in 2018. Right. I know they're looking for that back seven, especially that back four, to 
really cut down on those. When you can have two safeties, they're, they're really high on guys who can press the ball, not just come down and, and hit, which my way could absolutely do, but guys who also can press the ball, get some turnovers, flip, you know, flip the field, or at least get stops. Uh, that will be uh, that will be a factor. That's going to be factored right away with Indiana uh, and with Ohio State, especially with you know with Indiana with Michael Penix. I, yeah. Trying to remember, he's got a really good deep arm. I mean, he could throw. He didn't really, we didn't see him last year. And I haven't seen him for a while, but I, I remember some power behind that arm. So he's got he's got an arm and he's got some receivers. So it's going to be should be tested right away. And it also comes out from from a different angle. He's left-handed. Uh, yeah. You know, so that, it, that you'll they'll have to get used to seeing that right away because he can throw it on a on a line. Uh, Mark, somebody asked me about this yesterday about, quote, the upsets so far in college football. And, and to me, a big part of this is you don't have that game at the beginning to work out where you, you have just have more talent and you can work mm-hmm. through some issues and put it on a, a video for the players to watch. you got to go out and play somebody good right away, and Penn State's going to be in that spot with Indiana. I think that's part of what we're seeing right now. Yeah, no question. And it's also a matter of how are you practicing during the week? How are you? Um, what's your availability of players? I mean, you see these bits and pieces of coaches saying that we you know we're down a certain number of players at, at position. So how is that affecting you? But right away, Penn State not only has got to do it against an Indiana team that won eight games last year, has a good offense returning, and probably has um, a little fire at its step to play. But you got to go out there. So now James Franklin and his staff and his support staff, the advanced staff have to worry about all of that the pregame procedure I mean, it almost reminds me a little bit of the first game of his career at Penn State you got to yeah. go to Ireland right and you got to build this whole um, kind of this back end of how do we get all our equipment over to Ireland that sort of thing now they got to they got to build this back end of how do we get the kids you know from from last to the airport to the plane to the hotel and in bubble wrap essentially which is important, well, you know, the way James Franklin sounds like he's approaching this thing is how he wants to, um, how he wants to take these guys. So I, that element to do it all right away, I think that's a major factor. It also sounds like that he's got the benefit with the Big Ten starting a month later, that he's got the benefit of, you know, five weeks of NFL and, and college football coaches to bounce ideas off of and say, hey, what works, what didn't, that, that sort of thing. Yeah, exactly. Um, I know that on the Indiana side of it, um, it's one thing that they asked Tom Allen about, who's been really open about. He says he always has nerves, but he said, "Look, we don't live in a bubble, and so that's why you know." He talked about their side of it. Uh, they've remained relatively healthy early on. There was an impact, but so far they've done well with with their negatives, as has Penn State. Is this good? Uh, how interested are you going to be as to the week to week part of this? Because you can sit there and say there's going to be nine, ten games, including a bowl game, but nobody knows. I mean, I just that's I've, I said to Jack Cam the other day. I said now we're at the point like okay, everybody stay healthy, okay? <laughs> exactly. Well, and I, I did just see a stat. I think it's something like, what, 140 games, plus or minus, have been played so far. Yeah. Um, people seem to be doing it okay. There are issues. There are isolated issues. We saw that the SEC mm-hmm. caught up with a couple of teams. And I, it's not like we should have expected that. I don't think any right. coach, any program, any conference across the country just said, 
we're going to, you know, because we delayed or because we established these protocols, that we weren't going to have positive cases right. or positive tests anyway. They know that it's a matter then of, of mitigating um, the number of positive tests and, you know, staying below that 5% rolling seven day threshold that the Big right. Ten requires and also mitigating it throughout your program so that you could continue to practice and play through it. I'm, I think I have this uh, maybe this bit of optimism, and I think the Big Ten is going to be okay with it. I wouldn't be surprised to see maybe a game, yeah, here or there just have to be canceled because of something that happens. And I don't think that that should be an overreaction necessarily. I, I, I agree, I agree uh, with that. I, I agree with that because the lowest weekend percentage so far of games played versus postponed or canceled. Mm-hmm. Is eighty-two percent? That's the lowest so mm-hmm. far. It's the last three weeks has been between ninety and ninety-five percent. Now, is there is there a high-profile game missing? Yes, but it's not as the depth of it is not as extensive as people think it is. Yeah, no question. So I, I mean, Penn State gets out. I mean, it'd be interesting to see when when they get back um, whether they have any issues. Not that we're going to necessarily know, but if there are some issues and they, you know. I guess they, well, the only reason we would really know is if they have to, um, if they get above that five percent threshold and have right. to uh, halt practice or anything like that, which I'm not necessarily expecting. Um, but I would, you know, like I said, it just it wouldn't necessarily surprise me, or I don't think it should be cause for alarm if at some point the Big Ten has to cancel a game. Other, I mean, basically, what you're saying, you know, NFL comes well, they're postponing games because they just start earlier and built in week. Then, you know, Big Ten doesn't have. They don't have the luxury. They yeah. have that option. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. It's not there. Uh, I, I'm, I assume James was asked about the wideouts last night. Uh, what did you think of what he talked about there when it came to the wide receivers? I might be a little more optimistic there too on some of the wide receivers than maybe uh, I guess it's conventional wisdom out there. I, you know, through the media days and then what uh, Coach Franklin said last night about the two the two freshmen and Keandre Lambert Smith and Parker Washington, it sounds like those guys are going to be ready to contribute and play, yes. play a lot right away. That's a, that's a spot where freshmen can play. I mean, freshmen don't need to know hundred percent of their playbook. They can, they can be situational players in there. You've got a player in Jahan Dotson. Um, I think, I think he's an anchor core um, wide receiver who can, he can split wide. He can play slot. You know, I, he can play all three, probably. So you can move him around. He's reliable. The guy I'm looking forward to seeing is Cam Sullivan Brown. Yes, I thought he played. I thought he played well um, last year before getting before getting hurt. Mm-hmm. And I, I look at him as maybe can he be? Can he be that twenty catch guy? I, you know, I don't. Can he be that 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 other receiver too? That additional receiver. I think they could play with four or five. Now it's just a matter of then can they, you know, do they perform? Are they going to get on the field, hold balls, run their routes properly? You know, is Sean Clifford going to throw to a spot that they're actually going to be at? Um, tough to break that in, as you said, when you're not playing uh, a group of five teams right away, and you'd want that kind of that break-in period. Maybe they won't be quite, you know, top of their game early on, but I, I think it's a group that, that has a lot of promise to me anyway. One, one final question, Mark, that does deal with the passing game. What does it mean? This is something that uh, Kirk Shiraka was talking about on the coach's show. 
where he praised the job Jaywan Sider does because the running backs at Penn State run legitimate routes. I thought that was a really important point that he made because this is not just a circle out of the backfield, hey, uh, hit me in the flat and go guy. Yeah, I remember hearing that, and I thought that was good too. That, that signals that they can – I mean, you could substitute a running back yeah. um, in a round situation. We saw that. We saw that with Miles Sanders and Saquon Barkley where those guys got mm-hmm. split when they were um, better receivers. So, yeah, I, you could trust a receiver to, you know – be in the backfield and split them out, and all of a sudden you're in an empty set, and now you've got a different look, and, and those guys know the routes they run. Um, they're really precise. That's an experienced group having run routes, and it all sounds like that they all wanted to get better at that and make that a, significant, a more significant part of the game. Using that uh, as – I don't even know that that's a supplement. That's a compliment. Uh, yes, yes. To the past game. I, I think that would be a component, actually and not just a supplement or just a, uh, you know, kind of like a backstop. Well, we need, if we don't have the experienced receivers, hey, let's just plug these guys out in here and kind of run as a sub. I think that's mm-hmm. more of a, yeah, that should be a component of their offense, definitely. Yeah. Mark, always appreciate your great work and appreciate the time you give us. My pleasure. Thanks, Steve. See you in uh, 10 days, I guess. Yeah, see you in 10, so <laughs> I see you in, what, nine days. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> What's the difference? Mark Wogerich, SI.com. Brad Nessler, next half hour on Georgia, Alabama. As we continue on News Radio 1070 WKOK, brought to you by Sunbury Motors. That sequence there was actually taken from. Uh, the suits Christmas Eve party at home. It's just Matt and I felt compelled after that moment to then leave. It's only because I think we said something we had a lot to do the next day. It's getting crazy. I freely admit we lied our brains out. Uh, all right, so uh, <laughs> we just had to get out. All right, Brad Nessler, next half hour. Uh, so we're into like there's not normalcy in terms of a Florida LSU game being postponed. There's not normalcy when it comes to Missouri Vanderbilt being postponed. But most of the games are being played now. I guess Cincinnati Tulsa might not make the cut this week either. Cincinnati has some positives. Uh, and of course the Falcons facility shut down. But there's a lot of thought the Falcons are going to play on Sunday. But what's interesting is that we've actually now transitioned to normalcy because right now we would be having the baseball playoffs. What's not normal is they're in bubbles. The American League is in San Diego, and the National League is in Arlington. And the World Series will be in Arlington. Arlington, by the way, is the first site to have fans for Major League Baseball this year. But the LCS would be going on right now, and the World Series would start next week. Normal. The NBA is now done. Normal. NHL, done. Normal. We're done with the horse racing season, but the Breeders' Cup comes up at the end of the month, but it's in the spot it should be in. The only thing that's coming up that won't be normal will be the Masters in November. So right now we have the NFL, 
There's no Thursday night game tonight because the Bills play Tuesday night. Bills are supposed to play Kansas City tonight. They're going to play that game Sunday instead, so there's no Thursday night game this week. But you have the NFL, you have college football, and you have the baseball playoffs going on. And right now, quote, that's all that's going on. And that's what makes this cycle at the moment more normal. Georgia and Alabama are going to play Saturday night at 8 o'clock on CBS. We're going to talk to Brad Nessler about that in the next half hour. And when, and after having a schedule crammed with events, and the, the ratings were down across the board, Stanley Cup playoffs were down 61%, Kentucky Derby off 43%, U.S. Open Golf Championship off 41%, the NBA uh, playoffs were off 49%, and the finals even more so. NFL set a little bit of a dip, about 5%. College football's been off about, hmm, I think college football's been off 10%, maybe 10 to 15%. Some of the better games have started to be played. There will be an audience without question for the game on Saturday night with Alabama-Georgia. Then next weekend, the ratings, college football gets a rating shot in the arm with the Big Ten returning. Now you're going to get the entire Midwest engaged in watching college football to go with other parts of the country. Ohio State's going to play at Nebraska. Penn State's got Indiana. The Friday night game next week has Wisconsin against Illinois. So you're going to get that. And then two weeks after that, when the Pac-12 gets involved, even though the Pac-12 doesn't really move the needle, it still gives you another region of the country that doesn't have college football engaged in college football. And that will help. So that's where we are with all of this. Uh, We are... um, as I mentioned earlier, we are going to be traveling. Uh, so uh, Jack, uh, Roger, Bob Taylor, and I will be at um, Memorial Stadium in Bloomington next Saturday. And then home for Ohio State. Then we're going to go out to Lincoln. We're going to take care of that. And then come back for back-to-back home games. Then we're going to Ann Arbor. Then we go to Rutgers. And then we have a home game of Michigan State. Then we don't know what's going to happen with the ninth game. I mean, nobody even knows where it is. I know that Matt is anti-bowl game. But everyone is eligible this year for a bowl game regardless of record. Now, it should be pointed out that there are 78 teams that would be involved in bowl games. That means 52 won't make it. Matt just doesn't like bowl games. Yeah, I don't know. You give him the Gasparilla Bowl and, eh. you know, and he's sitting there watching Paw Patrol. Look, it's Chase and Marshall. 
Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. All right, Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Key Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf and online at sunburymotors.com. I know in my sports broadcasting class, you try to hold up certain examples to students, and I'm one of them I hold up is Brad Nessler, that you can be great at your job and be one of the best in the business in your job and just be a down-to-earth guy. Well, that's uh, an example I hold up to my students about our next guest, and that's Brad Nessler. Brad, my friend, welcome back. Great to have you with us. That's one of the nicest things you've ever said to me, my friend. You send those poor students home to cry. <laughs> <laughs> no, that happens. If I'm going to be like him, Steve, I've got to get out of the business. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. Jack Hamill asks me all the time, how's your class going? And I'll say, I've ruined a lot of careers this week. Uh, so <laughs> just with Good to advice. Talk to you, Matt. How you been? I'm doing great. How, how's the trip so far? I know you're driving down to Tuscaloosa. so. Uh, Mark, Mark is taking care of that for me. Uh, he's doing Good a great job, job so far. He's behind the truck right now, but we're about a third of the way there. <laughs> so once once we get there, we'll cross our fingers and hope that the, the game just is still going to go yeah. on tomorrow. I mean, on Saturday. Absolutely, prime time CBS Georgia Alabama. Uh, are you surprised? I mean, there shouldn't be a lot of surprise, but are you surprised that these at this stage so early these are the only two undefeated teams left in the SEC? Uh, you know, I thought it would be a little bit more parity, or at least some of the bottom would start coming to the top, or the middle teams would start coming to the top. I didn't know there was going to be, you know, I didn't know LSU was going to lose two games this fast, even though they lost 14 guys to the NFL and, and three more that opted out. But, you know, you just shocked at some of the things that have gone on. That was that was our first game week one, you know, and Mississippi State comes in and the air raid is working to perfection, and then that fiddled out after uh, of the first week, too, so been a lot of kind of weirdness going on and i don't know if it's you know the lack of, of spring ball and and you know the whole covid situation and, and uh, everything but i think the tackling's really poor and i think that's just because a lot of coaches decided probably not to go that route that heavy uh when they did get back to school so there's a lot of offense going on right now and the only team that's playing much defense is georgia Right, and that's exactly what we're going to talk about here. You know, what is it about how Georgia plays? Because you had a first-hand look at them. What is it about how they play defense that may seem a little bit different than everybody else at this stage? Because they're only giving up a dozen points a game. Yeah, um, I think it's their depth more than the scheme. Although the scheme is good, and you know that's Kirby Smart's forte, and and uh, he does it really well. And Dan Lanning, who's his defensive coordinator, has been a nice addition as well. But um, you know, some of the shifting they do before the snap created some havoc for Tennessee last week and caused some uh, false start penalties. And, and just some of the disguises and, and coverage and that type of thing that they do, I guess, is probably better than a lot of people. But uh, they got talent and they got depth. I mean, you know, I know how you put your boards together when you're doing Penn State games and that type of thing, and you know how I do it. And you, yep. you try to have, you know, at least 11 spots and then your board goes three deep. Well, I have mm-hmm. to have like 36 guys, you know, for Georgia's defense <laughs> because they play yeah. that many. I think they had 36 guys actually last year that played over 100 snaps that have come back, that are back, you know. So um, they just keep running them out there, and there's not a lot of difference in talent. They don't have a, they don't have one guy that I would say, wow, he's a superstar, you know. But they got a whole yeah. bunch of guys that are going to play on Sunday that are are just really good and and, and play team ball and 
you know, they run to the football and, and uh, they're really fast. And the, I think the speed and the depth is the biggest thing for them right now. I, I want to get to Stetson Bennett uh, because, I mean, let's face it, I mean, obviously somewhere six weeks ago he had to be the fourth string guy because Jamie Newman opted out. Right. JT Daniels physically wasn't ready. But they started Dewan Mathis against Arkansas, so this had to be the fourth guy. So when Jamie that's what, Gary, that's what we, that's why he steps in Bennett the fourth. That's what I tell everybody. Not because, <laughs> not because he's one generation behind his dad, it's because he was the fourth guy in the depth chart. I didn't mean to interrupt yeah. you. Yeah, that, that's no, what no. Bennett. Yeah. I mean, it's a it, it's a great story. I don't know if it will continue, but you know, spent about a half an hour on a Zoom thing with him last week, and uh, you know, he's still getting used to the spotlight, but he's handling it really well. Yeah. Whether he can do it on the road against a, a team as good as Alabama, we'll have to wait and see. But you know, so far, you know, it's just it's not spectacular. It's uh, you know, sixty percent of his passes or whatever, and you know, two hundred thirty yards a game, whatever. But he's not turning it over. He's not afraid to yeah. run. He probably should uh, slide a little more when he does run. But um, <laughs> he's waited his turn, man, and he's earned it. And I, I, I think it's just one of the coolest stories in sports right now going on. And a big part of it is he hasn't thrown an interception yet this year. So in your conversations with Gary, Jamie, yourself, with uh, Kirby Smart and Todd Munkin, what have they said about him? You know, Kirby says one thing, and I'm going to have to think that it's true. You know, he said, we didn't play him a lot, uh, or we didn't practice him as many reps because we knew what we had. Because he did play last year, you know, when Jake Fromm, when he just came in and slot, uh, you know, cleanup duty when Jake was out of the game. So, I mean, he got some time in last year, and they saw him, you know, they raved about him uh, way back when they played Oklahoma in the playoff because he was the scout team quarterback, and he was supposed to be Baker Mayfield. And, and they said he did such a good job of it, it kind of ticked the defense off. It's like, who's this little guy running around over here, you know, that was maybe 185 pounds then? <laughs> They drove him crazy getting ready for Oklahoma in the playoff game. So uh, I guess they knew his, his arm talent. He really does have a pretty good arm, and he throws from a lot of different angles. And Kirby kept saying, he's got a better arm than Jake Fromm. And I'm like, well, okay. And he goes, yeah, but we got other guys that we have to give reps to and would not have a spring ball. So when July rolled around, all you heard about was Jamie Newman. And then all of a sudden, Jamie, we barely knew ye. You know, he fails out <laughs> for the month ago before the season starts. And then JT Daniels and everybody said, well, his knee's still not ready. He's not cleared to play. And everybody said, well, when Newman's got, it's got to be JT Daniels, five-star guy from USC, the whole thing. Right. And then when he wasn't cleared physically to play, they go, well, let's go back to Dewan Mathis, who was our uh, four-star guy out of Michigan, you know, that we thought was going to be a starter when he got here. And lo and behold, he's terrible against Arkansas, and here comes – here comes the mailman, they call him, the little guy, and he's delivered three weeks in a row. So uh, it's a pretty awesome story, really. Uh, you mentioned uh, in a previous answer, Brad, about you know the points given up so far in the SEC. Uh, Alabama's coming off a game where they gave up 45, and their defense is averaging 30 points per game given up, which is unheard of for Nick Saban. So, number one, uh, what did, as Nick said to you guys, or I don't know if you had a chance to talk to him yet, as to you know what he perceives the problem to be? I think it's uh, I think it's lack of uh, tackling in, in in the fall. A lot of a lot of it is, yeah. and then they they ran up against the 
a guy that was going to do everything in his power to beat Nick and Lane Kiffin and, and has the play calling ability to do it, you know, and they went so fast. I mean, it was uh, just crossing the Alabama, by the way, Steve, just like, you there know, you go. driving. Perfect. Yeah, there you go. So the time just changed. So now it's, I'm talking to you. It's only, I'm getting younger as I go to Tuscaloosa. <laughs> um, so, you know, they, uh, Ole Miss went so fast. I mean, it was breathtaking to watch him. And when you do that, you know, uh, I haven't talked to Nick yet about it, but I know what he's going to say. You can't, they didn't give them time to change up. Um, Lane doesn't bring a lot of guys off the field. So there's not a lot of substitution with Ole Miss's offense. So subsequently, uh, you know, Pete Golding, the defensive coordinator, who's under an extreme amount of pressure at Tuscaloosa right now because he's not Nick Saban. But I know Nick probably got COVID because he was so sick of watching the film against Ole Miss. <laughs> it just becomes it just becomes sloppy yeah. football uh, when you can't substitute and and it you know drives coaches like Nick crazy. But that's just one of those games. I think you got to get used to it now that you know you can't hold. And we're talking about how good Georgia's defense is, but there's very few teams in the country that have been holding people down like that. I think. I think coaches right now are just happy to win a game. Like, hell, it gave up 30 points, but we scored 36, so good for us, you know. I think it's becoming that way, and you just have to you have to uh, just concede to the fact that people are going to score points on you, no matter, no matter how good your defense is. And I believe that Alabama had available 764 yards was the max they could have gained in the game, and they gained yeah. 723, <laughs> uh, which is remarkable when you look at the combination of okay you've watched the progression of mac jones where's he better now this year when you've looked at video compared to the mac jones you saw in person last year well he's a lot more confident he knows it's his show you know and uh, everybody's you know from the time they started practicing again was what's gonna be bryce young you know the hot shot freshman and all that kind of stuff and i was like wait a minute i've watched this kid in practice for four years and I've seen him throw it around, and I'm like, this guy's really good. And, you know, he he's not Tua, but he doesn't try to play like Tua. And instinctively, he can't just, like, look one way and then throw a 60-yard dart like Tua can. But he knows how to run the offense, and he's as smart a guy. Um, Nick said last time we did Alabama game a couple weeks ago, he said, uh, he said he's a really smart dude, and he mentioned Bernie Kosar when he was an assistant uh, to wow. Belichick at Cleveland. And he goes, he's one of the smartest guys I've ever been around. It's just a matter of the one thing he has to get over is he makes a mistake, you know, don't dwell on it. Go on to the next play and just shake it off. Because he said, you know, he grew up being a tennis player and he always wants to break his racket when things go wrong. But <laughs> uh, he settled in and, and he really knows his capabilities and he knows just get it in the playmaker's hands. And they've got just as many as they've always had. I know they lost two awesome wide receivers to the NFL, but they got three of them right now that are – just as good or close to it. So, um, and then Najee Harris is, you know, really, really good, and he's only going to get better. And if if he's not up there near the end in the Heisman, I'll be shocked. But I doubt that he'll get 200 yards on the ground against Georgia. If he does, I'll be I'll be surprised. Well, that would put him on the track to winning the Heisman. He gets 200 yards rushing against the Georgia <laughs> defense. That that would yeah. send him on on that pathway. But when you watch Wendell and, and the other wideouts and the coordination of that pass game. And then you mix in Harris. There's a threat of run pass, and you don't know which one on every single down with this team. I mean, what does that then do for Sarkeesian, and what does that make for the guessing game for Georgia? 
Well, you know, Sark's got it all at his fingertips. It'll be interesting um, that he's going to have to be the basically interim head coach on Saturday, how, how that'll affect his play calling, you know, because right. he's got decisions to make and all that. But, heck, when you've got as many guys that he can whip it around to, you know, Brian Robinson's no slouch either. When Najee comes out, they don't lose much right. when he goes in. But I think Najee being the receiver he's been really the last two years, um, you know, they told him, you know, we're not going to play you every snap because we want some tread left on your tires when you go to the NFL. And they also said you got to work on your hands and get the better receiver and be one of those guys that can play every down in the NFL. And, and he's come through. And he, I think he's scary when you throw it to him out of the backfield because you get him in space and then True. he becomes a horse. And, I mean, yeah. he will hurdle you. He'll run through you. He'll shoulder you to the ground. Uh, or he'll run around you because he's got all that capability. But, you know, Waddle's the fastest guy out there. Devontae Smith yeah. is... Uh, more like Swanee, to me, graceful-wise. I mean, he had a game mm-hmm. against Ole Miss I'll never forget last year that we did, and, and he had a really another good one last week in there, went over Ole Miss again. So, uh, And then John Mechie shows up in the game we did against A&M and, <laughs> you know, catches 180 yards for the ball. So, I mean, just, yeah. just get it to one of those guys in space and let him go. Yeah, and then, I mean, obviously... What Waddle can do on the return game is phenomenal. Right. Uh, the the yep. no Nick's the no Nick Saban factor is all guesswork. Uh, it's not like in my career I didn't have to do some games where because of circumstances Joe couldn't be out there. So right. uh, how does that? How does that? What's your thought process on that? Even though it's a guessing game. Yeah, um, I think it'll have an effect a, a little bit. Uh, you can't have as good a coach as there's ever been not be on the sideline and not have it have an impact on the kids but I'm sure Nick will be you know on a zoom deal and everything until the 90 minute meeting and then that's it uh, as far as I'm from what I can tell he can't have any more contact with anybody after right. an hour and a half before the game but you know um, it's not just Sarkeesian that he's got on his staff Steve he's got dude he's got like six former head coaches on that staff, and I'm not going to go through the list because I don't have them in front of me right now. Right. <laughs> had like six guys who were head coaches in college on the staff, so it's not like they're going to go out to practice and go, "Oh my goodness, who who's going to coach this <laughs> spot today?" You know, <laughs> they're all over the place. But yeah, it's a guessing game. It'll be weird. It'll be weird for me just doing the game to look at that sideline and not see him there. That's for sure. Yeah, it's not going to be one of those. What do we do now, group? I think you know they've been there. Uh, yeah. I was told. I was told we were only allowed to keep you until three fifty Central Time. So since you crossed over to Central Time, <laughs> and, yeah, yeah. Now that's right. That's right. If I keep going, if I keep going, I get to Mountain West time. You're 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 off the charts, man. I have to hang up on you. Hey, be safe. It is so great to hear you. In fact, you've uh, never sounded better. And uh, I know it'll be a great game and a broadcast on uh, Saturday night. Thanks, Brad. Thanks, buddy. And tell those poor students of yours to hang in there, would you? They are hanging in there as best they can, <laughs> right? Because you got to remember, they got to overcome me first. <laughs> that's good. <laughs> that, that, that's, that's an issue. That's a big hurdle. That's a big hurdle in itself, partner. <laughs> you got that right. Thanks, Brad. <laughs> okay, buddy. See you. He is one of the best in the business, without question, Brad Nestler. We will come back with more in a moment. Um, we just got. Let's, I'm just checking here. The spike with the Shikalimi play-by-play guy appears to be on our charts higher at the moment. There's something wrong with this. 
because that's good. because a certain someone is in charge of looking at and distributing our streaming numbers. No, this is a story put out by the New York Post. We'll come back with more in a moment here on News Radio 1070 WK. Okay. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle is worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC Way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC Way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC Way? The SMC Way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. All right, that's nine days away. And uh, I know Jack and I were talking. Well, in fact, we talked on the phone every day this week. So one of them, I was said to him, I said, we're at that point now where, <laughs> okay, you're okay, I'm okay, team's okay, Indiana's okay. You know, it's, let's make sure everybody stays okay so we can get to the game. I mean, that's the atmosphere that we're in right now. Um. Um, so, uh, Doug wants to know how to handle social distancing in the broadcast booth. Doug Birdsong. All right. Okay. So, I mean, let's start with this. Okay. Look at who you work with and ask yourself, do you want to be near that person? Okay. So that, I mean, I think, I think for Doug, that solves, I mean, I think I've just, in a nutshell, encapsulated. I think you solved Doug's problem and Doug didn't really get the sense of your problem. <laughs> no, no, no. I have a, I have a, no, my, mine's a totally different issue. Uh, let me give you a slice of irony. Okay. Slice of irony. The last road trip I did even though they didn't play, was to Indianapolis. And I, we had dinner on that Wednesday night at St. Elmo's, the great steakhouse. Then the next day we found out that everything was flushed and we had to fly back. Friday night I have reservations at St. Elmo's. <laughs> so we're back. We're giving another shot. <laughs> we're going to be in Indianapolis. We're not going to be. We're not going to stay in Bloomington. We're going to be in Indianapolis, and uh, go from there. I heard you mention that you and the crew will be traveling. I have to ask you how you handled any social distancing, etc., when you get back. Again, Doug. Doug. The social distancing part, based on your broadcast partner, should be a natural thing to begin with. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, ask yourself, I mean, do you really want to be near the guy? (laughs) 
You know what Oklahoma State did? Oklahoma State put their three announcers, their two announcers and the the um, engineer in three separate booths at, at Pickens Stadium. How about that? Wow. I'm back, I'm back in an hour. Phil Troutwine, offensive line coach, joins us this evening. He'll be in the final half hour of the show.